um, thinking, when will this ever end? Um, so today I want to um, have a conversation, um, and this is something that I have been pondering since before Christmas. And what I want us to look at today, I'm going to write it up on the board here because I want us to remember it. I want us um, to think about um, and learn to love God in the secret place. Okay, so that's what I want us to be thinking about. Um, And it's there so you can keep looking at it and referring to it um, as I speak. Now, if you're not a believer here today, then, um, then in some ways you've got a week off and you can just have a, um, you can just listen in um, a little bit about what it's like to be a Christian. But I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel almost like a failure as a Christian. Now that might sound a bit weird, but maybe sometimes I feel that I don't hear God well enough, that I don't pray enough, that I don't Um, I don't sing the right songs, I don't read my Bible enough, I don't point my kids to the Lord enough, I don't um, come to church enough, I don't fast in the right way, I eat when I shouldn't when I should be fasting, or I get so hungry and um, that I have to eat when I'm fasting, I don't turn up to enough prayer meetings, I don't serve enough, I don't... There's all these things that can come up that can make me sometimes feel like a failure. I don't preach as well as Ken. I don't, <laughs> um, I don't, I don't lead worship. I don't, there's all these things that we can sit there and we can think, I'm a failure as a Christian. I'm not good enough. I'm not hitting that mark. But what I want us to do today is to dig into the Word and to look at how we can change that mindset and to learn to love God in the secret place. Now, in all these things, I, I totally understand that we as Christians, um, uh, we need to work on these things. There's, we're never going to be perfect at them, are we? And there's always things that we can strive for better. And equally, I also recognize that the enemy will take those moments to have a pop, won't he? Um, to make us feel worse about the things that we're thinking that I've mentioned. And we need to be careful of that and we need to be on our guard with that. Now, the reason that I, that I um, have been pondering this is that what I find in my life that then happens is that when I feel that I'm then not good enough, what I need to then, I feel that I then need to do is to elevate myself as a Christian um, to make myself feel better. So I might be sitting there thinking, well, I've got to pray the, br- the best prayers that I can, or come on, God, I need to hear from you so that I can then speak out these words. I need to do something that makes it possible for me to be like a good Christian. I need to make sure I turn up to that prayer meeting or um, go to that Zoom meeting. Or There's all those things that I can then end up doing to try and kind of elevate myself to make myself feel better as a Christian. And I think also sometimes what we get is the expectations 
put on us by other people. Now, when you work for a church and you're a pastor, um, it can also be um, even more of a challenge. So I remember once when, um, previously to working here, I worked at a different church. And before I started working there, I went along and they did a course that kind of was a little bit of a this is who we are type thing. Um, and you got to know the church and understand their values. So I went along completely anonymous and just sat down. I was chatting to people, did the first week of the course. Anyway, that Sunday, it was then announced that I was coming along as a children's pastor to the church, photo displayed, et cetera, et cetera. Um, then I went back to the course on the Tuesday, and somebody came up to me and said, oh, I'm really sorry, I didn't realize who you were. And I was like... I'm, I'm no different. But there's that expectation, almost that pedestal that you can be put on. Um, and then when you're on that pedestal, it's so easy to be knocked down, to fall. And I think that is actually something that can apply to each and every one of us as Christians. Because what happens is other people in the world, they see us. Other um, people in church, they see us. When you, when, um, you like, I don't know, if you don't turn up to a prayer meeting, you might think other people have that expectation that I'm there. And there's all those expectations that get put on us to um, make us in our mind think, this is what I need to do to be a good Christian, to be a better Christian. Um, and I want to kind of look at some of that today. Now, I can imagine that I'm not the only person that feels this way. I can imagine that there are times in your life too when you've thought, maybe I'm not praying enough. Maybe I'm not hearing from God enough. I don't read my Bible enough. I don't get up early enough to start praying. I, don't, I go to bed too early so I can't pray. I don't go to those prayer meetings. And I think that there is something within probably all of us where we have those doubts and those niggles. And like maybe we think, I don't have the gifts that somebody has. Um, have you ever thought that? Have you ever thought, I don't speak in tongues, I don't prophesy, I don't um, do administration as well as somebody? All those gifts that God gives, where are mine? Have you ever thought about that? And so I think this is something that actually we can all connect with today. Now, the good news is that we are not the first people in the world to have ever had this problem. In fact, there were people in Jesus's time that had this same problem, and Jesus himself addressed it in the Bible, which is where we're going to go in just a moment to look at this. See, we're going to be looking at Matthew 6. If you've got your Bible, you can turn to that with me. And when it comes to, um, when it comes to um, the way that we feel as Christians, I think sometimes we, we have to be quite practical about this as well. We have to put in those things in place that can help us. I remember one of my earliest foundations in, in this, and this kind of um, self-elevation thing and um, the glory to God is something that I have struggled with for, for a long time um, because I want God to have the glory. And I'm sure that you do too. And I remember one of my earliest foundations in, in helping this was um, when I was 18 and I was doing my gap year with Pathway. 
And I was going into schools with Mick LeBague. Now, many of you will know Mick used to be an elder here. Those of you that don't, he was around um, this church for a long time. And when we went into a school, Mick would, um, the kids would, we'd do an assembly. The kids would, we'd finish, the kids would roar and they would be clapping and cheering. The teachers would be on edge because they would think the kids are out of control, but we had it. We were there. We knew what we were doing. Um, If we were in a Christian school, a Church of England school, say, uh, Mick would just point up at that moment. I'm sure you guys remember him doing this in church. Um, And he would be almost funneling that glory up to God. If we're in a non-Christian school, he'd stand there with his hand behind his back pointing up, um, trying to be a bit more subtle. Um, And he said to me that for him, what that does is that takes all the glory. And yes, God is using his gifts and his skills, but it actually channels the glory up to the Lord. And there are things like that, that, and that has stuck with me like so much in my life. And Mick, if if you're watching, like, thank you for laying that foundation for me and being able to just have that little simple thing to help us to remember where the glory goes. And it doesn't become about me, it becomes about the Lord. So we're going to be reading, as I said, in Matthew 6. Now, before we do that, um, Matthew 5, is, um, we see in the, uh, the be- before Matthew 6, is all about the Sermon on the Mount starting. So Jesus is there. He's teaching a whole bunch of people. And what he's doing is he's, 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 got those, he's got his disciples there, but then there's Jews there, there's non-believers. And he's, in essence, laying a foundation in their lives. He's discipling. He's um, building them as believers, these early Christians. And Jesus, as we go into um, Matthew 6, recognizes that there are three obligations that the Jewish people have. And for them, it's a, it's a non-negotiable. There's these three things, to give, to pray, and to fast. And they have to do that as Jews, as believers, and there's no, there's no two ways about it. So what Jesus then is, um, does is in this passage, he takes those obligations and he addresses them and the attitude that goes towards it. And actually, as I started to think about this, I meant to bring an apple, but I totally forgot. So this is the nearest I found to an apple in the church. Um, Sometimes we do have a bowl of fruit on the side, but um, at least we've got this. Anyway, so um, it made me think as I was was preparing this about an apple. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you pick up an apple, it looks really nice and juicy, and then you cut it in half and it's rotten right in the middle. You ever done that? Yeah, And then maybe you see the kind of little bit that's wiggling out where the worm has got in and started eating it, and it's rotten at the core. But what I think Jesus is doing in this passage is he's saying, look, we might look okay on the outside, but what is our core like? What is our core like? And actually, as we go through the passage, we will see that for our core to be okay, we need to learn to love God in the secret place. So let's turn to um, Matthew 6, and um, we're starting, um, it says, giving to the needy. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others. So this is referring to your Christian walk, um, your life as a believer. So it's saying, don't live so that others can see, just so that others can see. Like that shiny apple um, that looks so great but the core is, um, is not so great. So be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. 
So when you give to the needy, so there it is in that, in that very kind of first bit of that passage. It's saying when you give to the needy. So Jesus is saying, I know you have an obligation as a Jew. The obligation that you have is to give to those that are in need. So I know that you're going to be doing it. And what he wanted to do was take that, um, that obligation and address the attitude that goes towards it. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, as the Jews heard that, they might have thought, reward? Reward for giving? Now, we don't actually know what the reward is that Jesus talks about in this passage. There's nothing that ever tells us exactly what that may be. But as I've pondered it, it just made me think that, have you ever been in a situation where you've given something or money to someone and you've seen the impact of that? Have you seen that? How does it make you feel inside? Is that rewarding? Have you ever done it where you've secretly given something? Um, maybe an item, maybe money, and again, seen that impact and that joy that comes from knowing that they don't know, but you know that that has made such an impact. And I wonder, when Jesus is speaking in this passage, whether the reward comes because we're doing it in secret. It's in our heart. And what Jesus is saying in this passage is don't be like those hypocrites that have the money. Look at what I'm giving. Look how much money I have. Look what I've done. But he's saying do it in the secret place in your heart because it's in that secret place that we learn to love God. And as we give more in the secret place, knowing that the Father in heaven sees that, then We will get that reward internally. We will feel great about it. The Father has seen it, and he will reward us. And actually, as we start to give in that secret place where we're not announcing it with trumpets, our heart is growing to be a heart that is is like the Lord's. So we're, we're getting our reward from God, We're starting to love as the Lord loves because we're giving and we're loving God in the secret place. It's like the apple. So the apple, if we're giving in that secret place where our left does not know what our right is doing, our core is healthy. It's the hypocrites that stand on the corners that are proclaiming, this is what I've done, this is what I've given. Their core is rotten. They may look like a shiny Christian believer, follower of God, But yet, Jesus is saying inside, something is not quite right. Okay, so the passage goes on, prayer. And when you pray, so again, there's that obligation, isn't there? Jesus is saying, you're going to be praying. I know you're going to be praying. So let's just have a little think about it. Let's think about what happens when we pray. Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. 
then your Father, who's seen what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they um, think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So Jesus is saying, pray out of a pure heart and go into that secret place and pray to the Lord. And again, it's like it was it was it was great to hear what Joe was saying this morning about when she was praying at home. It's in that secret place where you're praying to the Lord and you're learning to love God in the secret place. And as we spend time with God in the secret place, um, our heart changes to be a heart like the Lord's. And there's that then overflow that comes out of the love of God that is within us. So when Jesus is speaking in this passage, he knows they're going to be praying. And he's saying, don't be like the hypocrites that want everybody to see. And there would literally be people standing on street corners um, declaring these amazing, eloquent prayers. And they, they wanted to be seen. They wanted the glory. They wanted the affirmation of those people around. And again, just reflecting for myself, I'm thinking, I sometimes go through that. I'm in a prayer meeting and I'm like, I, I, I want to pray. I want to pray something good. But Jesus wants me to pray out of my heart because it's actually what he sees, not what you lot think about my prayers. It's what he thinks about them. And actually, as Jesus says in this passage, go into your room, close the door and pray in secret. And the more we do that, the more we learn to pray in the secret place, we're learning to love God in the secret place, that our, we will become so almost fluent in um, our prayer life that when it comes to the public place and we're praying, it then becomes an overflow of our heart. So then there's that pureness and that, um, that God-like in us that then overflows as we're praying in the public place in the prayer meetings and those kind of things. So Jesus is not saying we don't do those things praying together because we know that that's the right thing to do. But he's saying, where does your heart sit when you're doing that? Where does our heart sit when we're praying? Is it about us or is it about God? And sometimes if we need to realign ourselves on this and start to think, actually, if we think, actually, this is more about me than it is about God, then we need to learn to love God in the secret place because then when it comes to the public place, it comes out of an overflow of our heart that is for the Lord. So, verse 9, um, Jesus then thinks, okay, so I know they're going to pray, but let's give them a little bit of a format to pray with. And this is where we get um, the Lord's Prayer. And what I thought would be really good is if we together pray this today and we say this together. So it's going to come up on the screen. Um, and I've literally just taken it out of the Bible. So um, if we read the screens, um, because it's, it's, the, it's the one that I've taken from the NIV rather than the one that has all the added bits that we know so well. Um, because Jesus was saying this is a really good format. If you're really struggling to know how to pray in the secret place, well, give this a go and see what that does in your life. So let's say this together. Okay. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. 
and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So Jesus is saying this is a really good way to pray. And then the passage then goes on to say, verse 14, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Now, this verse, it kind of almost seems a little bit like a curveball. And as I was preparing, I kind of um, skipped over it and just thought I'd kind of move on to the next bit of the passage. And then yesterday, there was a whole group of us that went into, um, into central London, and we went to a training day for a thing called Operation Forgiveness. And it's a program that we're going to take into schools in the local area and um, looking at um, the way that the Lord loves us and the way that the Lord forgives us. And the guy that was leading, he quoted um, this verse, from the Bible in Matthew 6, and it kind of, for me, there was, an, there was that like, penny drop moment when I thought, Do you know what, that is so important. So it's not a curveball, because Jesus is starting in this passage, in, in, in chapter 6, he's addressing our heart, the core of us. And actually, if the overflow of our heart is that of God's, and we're learning to love God in the secret place, if we're loving God in the secret place, how much did he love us? It makes sense, doesn't it, to start to think through forgiveness. Because he loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for each and every one of us. The overflow of his heart is forgiveness. And the more we spend time in the secret place, the more our heart aligns with God. And then things like forgiveness become so important because that, again, becomes the overflow of our hearts, because it, we know that that's on God's heart. So we're going to carry on in our passage. In, um, so we're now at verse 16, if you've got your Bibles. When you fast, the third obligation, there it is, when you fast. Jesus knows they're going to be fasting. When you fast. Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that, no, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who's seen what is done in secret will reward you. So he's saying, look, I've got a bunch of you here that are fasting. So let's just have a little think through this. And what used to happen in that time was that when um, often people fasted, they would let their hair grow. Men's beards would have got even longer, a bit like Dan's. Um, and they would have put ashes on their head and been somber and walked around grumpy and I'm hungry. And they would have wanted everyone to know, hey, look at me, I'm fasting. Look, I've got ashes on my head. I must be fasting. And they wanted everyone to know. But what was Jesus saying? He was saying, your reward is from those around you. Your reward is here on earth and not in heaven. So he was saying, when you're fasting, get up, wash your face, cut your hair, put oil on your head as you would any other day. Don't let people see that you're fasting because our fasting becomes about us and our heart. And what he's saying in this passage is God will see what is done in the secret place. And when we fast and it's in that secret place, then our heart is becoming more and more like God's. And then there's that overflow that comes from our fasting. 
And fasting can be, it can be such a, it can be such a challenge sometimes. Um, and, and obviously we're going through the fast at the moment. And for some people it's really hard. For some people it's just not possible. And we have to remember in this passage that Jesus is saying it's, it's a great thing to fast. So when you do it, don't let everybody see. So that, but if you can't, you can't. Um, and I think he's addressing those Jews that he knows that are doing it anyway. So there was these three things that Jesus wanted to address. There was the giving, there was the praying, and there was the fasting. Because fundamentally, as Jesus looked at the world and he looked at the people that were God's people, God's chosen nation, it was becoming so much about the outward appearance. And whether that was because they felt that was the right thing to do or whether they just needed to edify themselves by doing that. And there was probably a combination of both. But Jesus was saying, let's realign Let's come back into the secret place and learn to love God in that secret place. Because it's in that moment, as I've said, that as we start to do these things in the secret, that we then start to see that overflow into um, the, the other areas of our lives. Because our heart is for God. Our core is not rotten. Now... I guess as we, as we start to think about this and bring this into land, what is, what is the challenge today? Well, my challenge today is to start to think through that secret place. Do we, do we do so much on a Sunday when it comes to our faith? Or are these things throughout the week? Are we seeking God in that secret place? Um, now, just because the Bible said go into a room and shut the door, that doesn't mean that's the only time we pray. It can be any time, can't it? We know that um, because we have the freedom to do that. But our, the challenge this week is to start to spend more time in that secret place with the Lord. Now, there are going to be situations where we need to talk about the things that God has done. Because we know that that edifies the church, doesn't it? So it's great to hear the stories from people. And it's, we know so often when a person's heart is for the Lord or for themselves. And we know that within ourselves as well, don't we? I loved um, when Becca came and spoke. And she, her words were, it's nothing about me. It's about the Lord. I was like, Joe and then Becca. There's no point in me even coming up today to say anything. It's all, it's all done. Um, but it is. It's about God, isn't it? And so often I have to think through the situations that I'm in and think, who is taking the glory for this? So sometimes I play a little game with myself and I think, okay, so this has just happened. And I say to myself, if I tell anyone then it's null and void. It's like God never did it because I'm taking the glory for that and not the Lord. Um, and that's on some things. Now, some things I think it's important that we tell because we're edifying the church, we're building others up, we're encouraging others that prayer has worked, that um, somebody has been healed, that God's overflow of his love is demonstrating. So I don't want us to become legalistic and start thinking, oh, I can't mention anything. 
I can't stand up and tell somebody about that answer to prayer. I can't do this. I can't do that. What I'm saying is we, we need to do those things. And Jesus was saying, do the things like the praying and the fasting and the giving and, and, and the sharing. It's all those things that we need to do, but we just need to align our hearts and we need to say, where is this coming from? Is it there to build us, to edify us, or is it there to give the glory to God? There are times when we're going to get this wrong. Um, I think if we, if we got this right the whole time, um, then um, we're, we're probably just Jesus himself, I guess. Um, but, um, but we're going to get this wrong as, as we navigate life, as we get so many things wrong. And that's fine because we, just, we learn from that. We realign ourselves with the way that Jesus wants us to live and we move on, don't we? And in so many aspects of our Christian lives, that's what we do. I often also think about um, when, I'm, when I'm talking and telling the sto- stories um, about how I tell that story. And I think so often it can be easy to, I don't know, so a um, really silly example. Okay, So let's say I saw somebody with a broken leg and I wanted to pray with them and then I'm telling the story. The amount of times that I put I into the story can tell you if it's about me or it's about God. So, for example, if I said I saw somebody who needed prayer and I went up to them and I said, can I pray for you? Um, And I laid my hands on them and I started speaking in tongues and I saw this and I saw that. And then for me, then I'm like, oh, that's more about me, isn't it? But we can still tell tell the story, but we can give God the glory in that. So it might be something like there was somebody who broke a leg and I felt prompted to pray for them because I know how much God loves them. And he loves all of us, and he wants to demonstrate that love. And the amazing thing is, God healed that person. Because even in that same story, it puts that focus on God and the glory to God, doesn't it, rather than on me. Um, And so I sometimes have to think through, how do I say these things? How do I communicate that? Because I know that I want my core to be of an overflow of the love of God and God's love within me. So that's just a silly made-up story. And as I say, like, I think it's, it's what, I, what I'm, my big worry about today um, is that I don't want us to be thinking I can't talk about the things that God is doing. So please don't take that home today um, because I want to hear what God is doing. And, and we all do because it's so, so, so important. And we want to encourage, as I said, and edify the church and build each other up in what God is doing. But what I'm saying is the challenge is let's go into the secret place. Let's keep ourselves in that place where we're seeking God and we're continuing to do those things that enlarge our heart for the Lord, where we get the love of the Lord in our heart because the overflow of that um, is just unstoppable. And the overflow is that God will demonstrate his power through the things because our core is in the right place. Now, can you imagine what, um, how many more people will experience the love of the Lord if we as a church are a church of people who are seeking God in the secret place, who are learning to love God in the secret place? Can you imagine how many people will come to know the love of God because our day-to-day interactions will become an overflow of the heart of God? So church, today and this week, if there's one thing you take away from um, the things that I've said, 
is let's learn to love God in the secret place. Let's learn to love him so much in the secret place that we overflow in the public place, the love of God. When you stand with me while I pray, and then maybe the worship band could come back up. Let's just have a, a few seconds quiet, just reflecting on what was said. Lord, we love you. We love you so much. And we thank you that you love us more than we can ever love you. And that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for each and every one of us because your heart is so huge and you love us. And Lord, I pray, I pray that you would help us to learn to love you in the secret place, that we would take the time to seek you in that secret place that our hearts would be for you and an overflow of your heart, that our core wouldn't be rotten. Lord, that you would keep us so aware of the, the affirmation that we need and the glory that you need, because that's where it should be. And Lord, we all need to know that we're doing well. And I pray that as a church, we would encourage one another as well that when we see somebody doing something that's standing out for you, that we would encourage them because of what the Lord is doing in their lives. But Lord, I pray that this week you would help us to seek you in the secret place. That we would love you more and more, Lord. And Lord, I pray that today as we reflect on what was said, if we have any feelings like I outlined at the beginning where we're not good enough as Christians, that your Holy Spirit would come right now and fill us afresh. That your Holy Spirit would affirm us and say, the Father loves you so much. Holy Spirit, Take away the lies of the enemy that says we're not good enough for the Lord. That we don't do enough. Holy Spirit, inspire us to seek the Lord more and know his plans and purposes. And Lord, I pray that today there would be an overflow of stories of your goodness and your greatness that we would talk to one another about answered prayers, about the things that you are doing. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord.